I'm your host, The Weeb. This is the show where every other week I'll be talking about anime, manga, and everything in between. This week I'll be talking about, following the last few episodes, the fourth season of Symphongear, also known as Zenki Zensho Symphongear AXZ. Z. I, I don't know why they, they actually do that with the name, but anyways. So, first of the stats, uh, before even that, I think it's better to just say this is the worst of the of the seasons of the show. Mm, maybe it's entirely really um, the sh- it's pretty um, not bad, but at the same time, it's the least well-made one in my opinion. And I I have. Some some details to to say that based on something, but anyways, uh, before I even start, so the stats, the um, original airing was in July 2017 through September 2017. It has 13 episodes, and this time. I will not say it has 12 with the last one being a special, although it may have been at the time, but it does not feel like that. The 12th episode and the 13th is are really, really different. Uh, they f- don't feel like the same um, conflict, that, um, whereas in other seasons we saw the... Um, conflict being one single fight the the fight between the 12th and the 13th being a single one and divided into two episodes this time the 12th episode has one fight and the 13th has kind of another i'll get to that but anyways uh the studio still satellite and we still have all the girls from the last few seasons this at this point, they wouldn't change anyone, anyways. So uh, let's get to it. As I said before, I, I don't. I think this is the worst of the seasons, and in a way, it is still likable. It is still Symphon Gear, but uh, it doesn't feel like Symphon Gear at some points. It's really hard to explain, but oh, first let's get to the story. So. Getting right to it, the events of the fourth season come after. Um, they don't actually actually say it, but some some weeks after the events of the third season, so after Karo was defeated, some weeks later we see the beginning of the fourth season. The fourth season starts with the girls from Song being deployed as support slash front lines to a UN operation in a undisclosed South American country with insurgents and at some point you would 
not expect something like that. I, I don't think it would because, I mean, with uh, with weapons so powerful as the the Symphon gears, I don't think you would use them to uh, confront other humans or anything for that matter. Besides the incredible uh, relics and monsters we've seen in other seasons. But that's just my opinion about it. So let's get really to it. So the first episode we see the girls being deployed to assist the UN. And we go through a few things already. So the this one city they go to, it's called Valverde. Which is... I don't think it's based off the real city of Valverde. Valverde, I think it is one city in some, some island. I don't actually remember. I've seen it one once or twice, but I, I don't remember it. And we then get to see the first, let's say, the first internal conflict. That is the fact that Chris actually had some past with Valverde. Valverde was the city where her parents died, so she has some really hard time being there and getting to the mission, really, because she has this kind of uh, hard memories, some, some level of PTSD, because she saw her parents die, more or less. And then we... It, the first episode is pretty let's say, pretty messed up in a way that there's no really an order to the things, there's no cause and effect. It's really more sorted out things like uh, random events. So basically, while the girls are helping the UN, the insurgents come up with a really, I would say, a a sky carrier for some reason, and for whatever reason they... Uh, they destroy the sky carrier, which you would not expect insurgents to have. Like, come on. And for one reason or another, they find this connection with the organization that would become will become the main antagonist for the season, the Bavarian Illuminati. And basically, that's that's mostly. It. And then we cut to one scene that the, the guys that um, generally stay at the desk giving support to the missions, they go to investigate another location completely unrelated to the mission the girls are on. And they find out that there are these three um, mysterious persons that later will become the kind of villains of the season. They find out these three people trying to recover some kind of artifact from this location they're on. And more or less it becomes the... We have a chase scene because the three people just activate some kind of thing that summons up a giant serpent. I, I don't I don't think I can really pronounce its name, so I, I will just leave it at that. It's a giant serpent. And then they find out that the giant serpent has some kind of invulnerability, even when they try to beat it with the, the Symphon Gears, because the girls eventually get to the to save the guys, but 
Anyways, so that then we get the second episode already, and just to encapsulate the whole thing, right? We have two parts to it. We first get presented to the, let's say, the main antagonists of the season, that is the Bavarian Illuminati. The three girls uh, that represent the Bavarian Illuminati are Cagliostro, Prevati, and San German. They are all based on... I, I think I pronounced it right. Sorry if I didn't. They are based on alchemists that were deemed to have magical powers that, that were kind of uh, inquisitioned out of out of existence I, I would say it's it's something that, I mean it's a really 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 deep reference but I I feel like this is at the very least a good it shows that there is some research done in making the anime the uh, S Carol in the third season. When we say alchemy in Symphon Gear, it's more like magic, really. And the Bavarian Illuminati has have this kind of um, let's say elemental magic, more or less. And also, I would just put up this point already. Cagliostro is probably probably mostly right the best the best character that they have done the entire series but that's just me because she has some of the best wordplay in the whole series I, I I don't know what to say really that's that's basically it. so the second episode it's more or less the introduction of the, the villains, the fact that they have all kind of noise, so as always we have noise uh, involved into the whole story. And then we also have a few plot points that get discovered. First is the, for one reason or another, while the girls are on mission trying to defeat the, the Bavarian Illuminati in Valverde, they actually encountered the um, one of the girls that took care slash lived with Chris in her infancy. So it, it is the one girl who kind of protect her from the explosion that killed her parents. And there's this whole thing where uh, Chris said some really harsh things when her parents died and it's... It's a whole... That's the whole internal conflict for this first part of the anime. The um, fact that Chris cannot uh, grow past her her mistakes um, back then. And the fact that in in trying to defend the civilians in in one of the attacks of the Illuminati, she has to make a choice, basically. And the little brother of this girl named Sonia that lived with her back then, so the the brother of the girl she has some hard time with, he's attacked by noise and attacking the leg. So Chris has to make a choice between leaving him to die or, uh, let's say, emergency 
putting out the leg, more or less, to save the guy. And yeah, she shoots the leg off to save him. And to be a credit, he survives, which is good. I mean, you would say it's good. I mean, way better to lose a leg than to die, right? So, anyways, the the whole thing is a whole mess. The second episode is basically uh, just setting up a whole lot of things that we'll get way more explained later, or maybe not. And then we get to the third episode. The third episode is basically basically to set the internal conflicts that we all have. And, and this is the part where it begins to feel a little shoe, a little shooting, a lot of things. So first off, for one reason or another, Elf 9 since the end of season 3 cannot for the love of her get Linker uh, the formula for Linkers, right? So Kirika, Shirabe and Maria cannot fight without Linker. So basically they're invalidated until now. So we are 3 episodes in and they basically cannot fight. And then we get to the second part, where for one reason or another the alchemists come out with a new type of alkanoise that can kind of lock them into a subspace. It's really not good to explain it audibly, it's really more of a show rather than explain kind of deal, but basically they pop the little crystals they have of the uh, the alkanoids in the in the floor and the girls are basically teleported slash locked up in this subspace and they have to like find this um, giant invisible alkanoids in the subspace to basically get back to reality so that's basically it episode 4 episode 4 is basically uh, kind of a development and sh to show off the real, real villain of the whole season. Uh, so the girls, after leaving Valverde, they have these some kind of documents that need some real, really special coding kind of deal to be made. And so they go to this secret base under a mountain at some uh, faraway prefecture in Japan that has the the machines needed to decode it all and basically there is an attack on this prefecture for one reason or another and then we get to see the real real villain uh, in this in the middle of this attack so Cagliostro goes and just starts spreading noise everywhere and whole normal thing of, of, of the series at this point but at some point this and it's good design because it you can see he's a bad guy from the start but at the same time you can also see that he is the bad guy at the very start we get to see the um, director the leader of the Illuminati, Adam Weishauf. I don't, I don't expect me to say 
this name right. I, I don't know German. And the guy just more or less creates a nuclear explosion in the ground, more or less. So he's he's the the final boss. And we can see it from the start. So that's basically it. They get the civilians out, they don't defeat anyone at this point, it's just a battle of attrition because no one is really going to... Um, at this point the girls are really powerless because the ignite mode are not really uh, doing any good because it's uh, kind of a, an, emer an emergency power that they have to use to fight normal noise so it, it has become somewhat of a let's say power craft by the times and at this point if the guy just starts uh, spewing nuclear nuclear reactions uh, everywhere well we we basically lost right that's basically episode 4 episode 5 we get to see some kind of development on the uh, find the linker find the, the missing part of the Formula 4 linker. So, episode 5, we get to see that F9 comes up with this kind of VR stuff. I think it's inspired by SAO, but uh, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe it is just an original idea, whatever. So, in order to uh, find the Formula 4 linker, F9 has has noticed that Maria has this kind of reaction whenever she uses her Symphon gear that kind of uh, it the visual effect is is that she starts kind of glowing it's kind of a connection between the Symphon gear and the user uh, it's not it's really not explained it, they use a whole lot of guff to try to explain things in this season especially because later on we get to see the worst explanation for for a power up ever, but I'll get to that. The thing is, uh, eventually, Afnik notices that and just like tells Maria, like, uh, I got this thing where I will observe your thoughts, but we need to enter like virtual reality so I can like enter your brain more or less. And so, for the time, they both sit on chairs, and both are out, for the, mo for the most part. Elf Knight enters Maria's brain, and so we get to see the, let's say, the internal thoughts, and what makes Maria, Maria. That's basically episode 5. Episode 6, we finally get some closure, because episode 5 is mostly mostly focused on the fact that we get to see Maria's internal thoughts, Maria's traumas and memories. And episode 6 is more of the closure for that because we need to because we need to find the linker already. Like it's been half a season already and come on man, half of the girls are not fighting. That that comes up later, but anyways. So episode 6 it's basically um, F9 finds out what makes Linker Linker, and obviously the answer is love, because this is a Maho Shoujo anime, uh, when it or not. So love is always the answer. 
more or less. Altruism, love, you got, you got what I'm saying. And then we get to the second problem. At this point, the alchemists have kind of unveiled their false robes. False robes are the generic term for their their armor, their relics, more or less. And it is the Philosopher's Stone. It's not really explained how they come up with the Philosopher's Stone, but they call it the Philosopher's Stone anyways. And for one reason or another, the fact that the Philosopher's Stone has this base of... They say it is to uh, erase imperfections or whatever. It can expel, let's say, the impurity that is the Ignite Modulo. So basically the girls can activate the super mode sh they have, which is a bummer at this point. And then we get we got this second problem, right? The, the girls cannot fight the alchemist head head first because they basically get um, basically negated at the, at the forefront. And then we get also t get to see also the the purpose of the plan of the alchemist, right? So they want to complete a ritual more or less to get the power of God, the gods they they say, and destroy or better yet, to control the lunar ruins so they can deactivate the curse of Baal. Which is a fair try, I mean, given everything, yeah. But then we come to the to the real problem of it all, right? Um, to do this whole ritual, it's come to the attention of everyone at this point that they use people as sacrifices for the, the energy source. So, you see the problem, right? The ends do not justify the means. I mean... Most of the time, that's the the problem in anime. Anyways, anyways, I, I'm getting kind of off track already. I don't know if you can notice that, but I don't really like this season. A and I, I should say, right after, <laughs> oh boy, it's better if I I do this first. So, at this point, we get to see already some other, uh, let's say, characters in the background. So at this point, we. We already saw the three main Bavari Illuminati. Illumina Bavari Illuminati. We have seen Adam, and at this point, we have seen already the let's say the two to reach this ritual they, they are talking about that is Tiki, that is this auto scutter, so it's basically like the Nephling from the second season. But She's more, way more like a doll, and we have seen like Adam in the background and Tiki in the background. So uh, Tiki is front and center. You, you are not going to like her. I mean, she straight up just don't care about any of the girls, just Adam. And Adam, at this point, you can already see, like I said at the beginning, you can see at the get go that he's the bad guy, the bad guy, and that really, uh, not that it shows yet, but it really, really, 
Betas. I mean, it's it's that that sensation of Betas. I know this guy is going to stab someone in the back. I'm just waiting to see when. And also, we get to introduce uh, on the other side, right? We get introduced to the figure that is I don't remember his name. That is the grandfather of Tsubasa, the leader of the Kazanari uh, family, the the big boss, the big boss of the whole uh, influence the government and kind of deal without being the government really, because we are traditional family and we got connections everywhere. Uh, and and to to be a credit, he he's not likable from the get go. They make some real real efforts to make him as unlikable as possible he's undim one dimensional as hell he's just oh boy it's just awful and the worst part is that at the fifth season he plays so much of a big part though anyways so the, the guy's terrible right that's that's I, I just wanted to say that he does not really do anything Except for the like the later later episodes, but anyways, that's that's not important right now. So going through really fast, episode seven basically after they got to the explanation of why the alchemy, what what's the plan of the alchemist, <clears throat> and the fact that at this point the girls can't really deal with the philosopher's stone. We got two things right, so. Basically, F9 comes us up with this whole research about how the little piece of Gangnir that came out of Hibiki way back in the second season, the one little piece is the key to defeating the Philosopher's Stone. I, it's a whole lot of bullshit, they say. It comes up as not making any sense anyways, but... Anyways, they, they come up with that, and so they have this whole thing where they need to uh, find that one little piece of Gangnir that came out of Hibiki in the middle of the ocean because the facility was kept in, was destroyed in the third season because when when Chris was there uh, fighting one of the auto-scotters, uh, Karo auto-scotters, she kind of destroyed the place. And so that's basically why they have to search the whole soil and all. Anyways, that's basically episode 7. And also, right, I, I need to say that at this point we see how Adam really backsteps someone right from... The moment that we've been waiting at this point that when is this guy going to backstab someone and what is he going to do? Is that... Uh, for one reason or another, Adam kind of becomes kind of becomes uh, impatient on doing the ritual, and but they have this um, lack of energy, so they basically needed more sacrifices, and so he suggests that uh, Saint Germain, that that is the main the main Bavarian Illuminati, that she chooses between Prelati and Cagliostro to sacrifice one of them because uh, as they have a biological perfect body they never explain why it is biological perfect but anyways as they have biologically perfect bodies 
they would earn a whole lot of energy just from one of their sacrifices. That being said, uh, Saint Germain is clearly at this point, clearly not straight up against Adam, but really just going through the paces because she believes that at the end of the tunnel there is salvation. Seems familiar, I would say too much like the season two because Amaria and Chiraben and Kirika went through exactly the same thing, but that's besides the point. So episode eight, they finally found what they uh, call now the Fool's Stone, that is the piece of Gangrir that came out of Hibiki, and basically uh, Elf Nine has to work her ass off because she needs to implement the upgrade, let's say, so they can fight the the philosophers with the the philosopher's stones, and then we cut up to a part where Chris and Tsubasa are going to a restaurant with the with Sonia and the brother Stefan which at this point has received uh, some kind of really advanced prosthetics so he can go back to the, his normal life although he lost a leg so it's more like that uh, reconciliation kind of deal because at the end of the day the choice that Chris made was better at the end because he could recover his uh, his passion in life that is playing football, uh, playing soccer, playing soccer. Let's keep it American re- here. But the thing is, right? So he, the guy can play soccer again, as most of the South Americans are portrayed in anime, anyways. Except in Haikyuu. Haikyuu, they actually do make a point about volleyball in Brazil. But, uh, anyways, that, that's besides the point. So they have this reconciliation kind of deal because also. Chris discovers that Sonia is following the legacy of her, of Chris's parents. So Chris finds out that her parents' legacy is being followed by Sonia. So Sonia is trying to keep up with the mission of bringing peace and I think education to to a certain extent with songs to these uh, parts of the world with conflicts and all, which is pretty nice. I mean, pretty nice. And at this point. Uh, Cagliostro comes up and because she she um, so just quick explanation right at this point we we got to see one of the the mini power ups the girls have that is the unison so any two of the girls uh, kind of come up with a song uh, get together in a song and their phonic gain starts to rise exponentially so they become more powerful singing in doubles. That being said, at this point, Prelati is heavily injured after one fight with Kirika and Hibiki because they use this unison kind of uh, kind of power. And Encargliostro, in the meantime, finds out about the whole thing about being sacrificed for the ritual they, uh, that Adams wants to make. So she chooses to go out on her own uh, way and so she goes to attack Chris and Tsubasa and so there, there's this whole fight scene the, there is this whole recon- really the reconciliation between Chris and her past are really emphasizing th- in this part and in the end Cagliostro dies 
because uh, Kaiser and Tsubasa can come up with the unison and uh, activate this whole new kind of power. Let's say they, I would say it's near a Megazord kind of deal, almost because there are only two people. Anyways, so after that we get to episode nine. At this point, we are getting to the end of the the season. Thank God. I mean, it's not a really bad season. I'm I'm playing. I'm throwing way more shade than it is. The songs are really great, actually. I think uh, Hibiki's song in this season is the best one in this series. But that's just my opinion. My problem is the animation really t took a turn to the worst. It's some parts are really, I would not say bad, but way lower quality than the other seasons. So kind of feels kind of feels bad, man. Anyways. So, episode 9, we get to see the, let's say, the second internal conflict coming up. That is the fact that Shirabe cannot do unison with anyone except Kirika. And that's your debate. Oh, God. God bless your debate. Anyways, Shirabe has this whole complex about being a, a lonely or alone most of the time. The only... The only friend she ever had, more or less, was Kirika. And so she has this hard time uh, relating to other people. And that's one side of the episode. The other side is something... And, and this is the problem with this season, right? Everything about the villains and the heroes are unrelated. I mean, we saw on the first season, the second season, and the third season, the villains... Uh, moved, moved according to a plan in relation to what they learned from the their heroes, right? So it's a back and forth between them. In this season, so just internal conflicts go go down and things get done because of the internal conflicts. There is no conflict between the villain and the hero for the most for the most part. I mean, there is attrition, right? But nothing ever comes of it. More or less, I mean, episode nine. In the briefest way I can put it, Prelati fi finds out that Adam wants to sacrifice her to the ritual, and she notices also that Adam has uh, second, second motives, uh, ulterior motives to the ritual. There, um, so Prelati and Cagliostro follow Saint Germain rather than Adam, but Saint Germain follows Adam so chain of command, whatever. The thing is, Prelati and Cagliostro, knowing that Saint Germain's objective is one thing, and seeing that Adam has other plans, the Prelati at this point wants to warn Saint Germain that Adam is bad, is bad news, stranger danger, right? And in the midst of trying to go to her and warn her, she's basically intercepted by Tsubasa and and Shirabe, that eventually comes up with some kind of uh, fighting her internal loneliness. I, I mean, uh, Shirabe's internal loneliness, because Tsubasa can relate to the fact that she also was really lonely after Kanada died, so back in the first season when Tsubasa could not accept that Hibiki was let's say the successor to Kanade she eventually grew up to 
not only respect her, but to accept the fact that um, Hibiki is part of the whole thing right now. And uh, basically, should have been Tsubasa unlock more or less the unison attack and end up killing Prelati because <laughs> and this is the thing right they never for a for a, an anime that talks so much about understanding the the enemy and the reasons Prelati in specific when she dies it comes out as so much of a oh I just found her in the middle of the street better better shoot her down like absolute no real reason I mean she did some damage to the to the parts of the street she came to right I mean yes but at the same time she was not even trying really to enter a conflict with the Sifon gear at that point and which is kind of a bummer I think at this point some things in this season are just unexplainable really and this is the thing right the reason I, I don't like actually this isn't so much is that some parts just become so idiotic and so against the whole thing about Sifongir itself right it's not the same thing I mean for for crying out loud like the third season how much time did Hibiki try to convince Katoru to to stop how much time and then they could just come up see an enemy and just whoa shoot him down not the same deal right anyways so episode 10 uh we finally get to see the ritual and at this point Saint Germain has uh, been notified that the fact that Trelad, at this point Cagliostro was dead for let's say days and when Prelati died she decided to use her own body as a sacrifice to the to the ritual but in the middle of the ritual the at this point the the guys at song noticed that they would use the energy from the ley lines and i i don't i don't understand this part of the let's say i don't know it's folklore mythology whatever i don't actually understand this kind of thing but when they st kind of start the ritual the guys from song release some kind of and again i don't understand this kind of thing kind of sealing stones around the the place of the ritual so the energy would be cut off so they stop the ritual more or less but then adam comes up and pulls the energy from the stars because because whatever man at this point whatever and then Tiki gains the, the power to, again, explode things with lasers. Because that's the, the main main thing, right? So episode 11, we get the crux of the whole thing, right? So uh, they have to fight Adam for some time because he will not um, let the girls actually interfere with his plan at this point. But... The, the thing is, right, Tiki actually unlocks the power of the gods and transforms into a Final Fantasy style boss that has, again, lasers that explode things and other stuff. But then we get the best information ever. The, they kind of reference this a lot because uh, eventually they knew they, that they would need it, talking about the power of the gods and whatever. 
uh, they need the God Killer. And lo and behold, the God Killer is none other than Gangnir, also known as Hibiki's Symphon Gear. So uh, there's that. And basically she can punch out someone with a divine power because, because that's the anime we watch. Because it's nice. And but there's the 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 pushback, right? So Hibiki kind of uh, defeats the the this giant thing that Tiki has transformed into. But in destroying that, the divine power spreads in the air, and instead of going to Adam, that at this point is is revealed to be actually another auto scorer, more or less. It goes into Hibiki, and Hibiki is transformed into this huge cocoon between two two giant buildings, and then it stays there. Three uh, three days pass, and there's this giant cocoon pulsating like a heart, and there's just that. At this point, the you they say that you are planning to use nuclear weapons in case the situation is not resolved because they fear that it might be a, glo a global catastrophe but also Tsubasa's grandfather comes into the into the fray with his own plan mobilizing the self-defense force uh, Japan's military more or less to shoot tank, uh, tank shells at it and I mean I mean tank shells are really powerful Yes, but then again, after seeing what it does, do you really think that normal weapons would do anything? I mean, this is the thing, right? At some point you need to question yourself, this is not really believable, because, come on man, have some kind of, a little bit of common sense. If at this point, the one weapon that you have to fight this kind of mystical kind of thing can't kill it do you really think that normal guns will will serve anything i mean if the symphon gears can't fight the, that giant cocoon do you really think i mean have you seen the the, the last i mean 72 hours did you see the giant monster that came out of that that later become that did you see the amount of lasers that explode things I mean, Tink Shows ain't going to do anything, really. If anything, it's going to get worse. And so it does, because they begin shooting the cocoon for, again, whatever reason. And from the cocoon, drops out a giant... I mean, it's a more humanoid version of the one that Tink became, but it's basically the same thing. Oh, also, at this point, Adam basically just uh, flew out into the ether, and we don't know where he is. the 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 main The main problem right now is the fact that Hibiki is is locked into a cocoon with divine power. Or should I say, at this point, it comes out a humanoid giant thing, basically the same thing that Tiki became, but humanoid at this time rather than I don't know floating floating UFO I, I don't know whatever at this point it comes out uh, it's Hibiki uh, going berserk again 
back from the back from season one, but this time angrier, taller, and with lasers that can explode things. And at this point, you can't kill the God Killer because the God Killer has become God. So they have to re-engineer the whole the whole logic of it all, and they come up with the following: since the altar moralizes this. Since the altar layer that connected to Hibiki was the Symphon Gear because of her phonic gain, if we uh, and is connected to the divine power, if we disconnect the Symphon Gear from Hibiki, we might get Hibiki back and destroy the divine, the divine power. So what do they do? Basically, Elf Nine, after discovering how to do Linker. She also discovered how to do anti-linker because it's basically uh, exchangeable kind of deals. Uh, change the molecular structure. They don't actually explain it. It's just contractual. Anyways, um, they get. I I think it's f five five or six trucks with this huge missile kind of syringes with anti-linker. So it's like barrels worth of this stuff. And they shoot at Hibiki after the other girls kind of restrain her, and then she eventually. Uh, and then who else comes up in the clutch when the anti-linker does not actually work? There comes Miku and calls Hibiki, and Hibiki just snaps out of it and goes, "Oh boy, I'm destroying shit right now. Better stop." And so Hibiki just burgs out, I don't know, spills out of the, the body of the this giant thing, gets down, and for the most part, problem solved. But then, and then we we see that the UN has dropped the intentions to use uh, nuclear weapons, and then we see that uh, the Tsubasa's grandfather kind of calmed down, more or less. But then, for no apparent reason, the president of the United States at that point chooses to use the nu the nuclear weapons because it's too much of a risk to humanity and it ushers in a new world order for no apparent reason. And so there's there's this huge nuclear warhead coming straight to Japan from the Pacific Ocean. So at this point, San German, who was fighting alongside the Sinfongir at this point because she was against Adam again at this point chooses to make the uh, pay for her sims and save the day more or less and so she flies off to intercept the nuclear warhead and then comes out Cagliostro and Prelati out of nowhere they explain that they faked their deaths to find something to go against Adam but they didn't show up earlier I mean really just showing up right now like Right now, right now? Couldn't you, like, show up to fight the giant Hibiki, to fight the giant Tiki? I mean, you had plenty of opportunities, but you didn't show up. Anyways, I I'm getting too, too roped into this. Thing is, they pull off this Swansong kind of deal, and they use the, the maximum power of the Philosopher's Stone to, like, contain the explosion of the nuclear warhead, and... Basically, how can I say that? Basically, erase the explosion, more or less. 
but then they sacrifice themselves in doing the, the swan song. It's kind of an emotional moment. I just think it's kind of illogical that they fracked their deaths and just came out right now, like right now. But wait, we are on episode 12, there's 13 episodes. What's happening? Oh boy, let me tell you. Remember that I said that Adam flew into the ether and we don't know where he is? The guy just waits to the giant Hibiki kind of deal to decompose into divine energy, uh, divine power again, and he absorbs the divine energy again. And then Hibiki comes out, destroys the thing, the whole divine power, I mean, again, and then it's kind of destroyed for good. And then Adam just says, fuck it, and goes back to his like original form because he's also on a, an auto score of, of the custodians. The custodians, I will talk more about them when I discuss the fifth season. But the custodians are this civilization that came way, 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 way before the humanity that ruled the earth and uh, eventually came up with the curse of Balao and the whole the whole thing that messes up the world. They are the the gods, uh, as Adam uh, says. So Adam becomes this. Anyways, uh, Adam becomes he this huge monstrous kind of deal. And then the girls have to to fight it because that's actually the final boss. And also this this is the episode 13, right? This is why I th I, I said at the beginning this season's really weird because the the final final confrontation starts and ends at episode 13, more or less. In general, Symphon Gear has these last two episodes being one fight alone but this time it's two fights anyways so basically there's this whole battle that hibiki has to unlock all her powers to kind of fuse all the powers of the, all the symphon gears the the girls have and also that she recovers the philosopher's stone foster of saint german and she becomes at this point, a uh, golden Gangnir and kills Adam one shot. And then Adam says that that uh, one-liner to say that the future is doomed because I died. And the season basically ends there, more or less. We didn't get some kind of filler because it's, uh, it's Hibiki's birthday. It's a really short scene, but it has all the things we need. Uh, kind of filler content, you debate, and all the ships we could ever want. So, as always, right? Uh, Miku Hibiki, like always. Shirabe and Kirika, like always. And Tsubasa and Maria, because that's pretty nice. So, that's basically it. The, the season's kind of bad. Uh, about my opinion, really, let's make this quick. It's been one hour and something at this point in the recording. What are my opinions of, on this huge mess? So, as I, I already said in the beginning, the animation really takes a hit. It is apparent, in my humble opinion. They use a whole lot of still shots to make montages this time, rather than 
at the very least a bit of animation in the parts of the montage. They recycle a lot of frames from other seasons. It is, I would not say blatant, but if you watch it closely for all the seasons, you can see it again. You can point and say this one is, to, is taken from somewhere else. The songs, though, are still pretty good. The, the problems I have are animation and plot. Story. The story, as I already said, I don't feel like there's much of a, of a conflict between villain and hero. It's more internal conflicts that eventually clash up with one another. The Battle of Attrition ev um, normally don't end up with anything coming from either side. And more or less, it's just a mess. As I already said, when Prelati dies, the, the ball just drops. It comes up as not Symphonia, really. And more or less, that's, that's it. Story is kind of bad. Animation is kind of bad. Songs are pretty good, though. Songs are still pretty good. The, the thing is, right, they show up, uh, they show so many of the, not villains, but bad people, like, Again, Tsubasa's grandfather, I'll talk more about him in the fifth season because he plays kind of a big role, kind of a big role in the fifth season. Adam, again, he, his fault is the fact that his design is way too good. The voice actor that he did, his, his part, I don't have the name of the voice actor here. The guy absolutely destroyed expectations uh, you hate the guy the moment you see him it is it is something it's a really good voice acting work I mean there there are just so many ways that you can deliver lines and and express something right the, the moment that Adam enters the stage you you know that that's the bad guy. That's the the bad guy. He's going to backstab a lot of people. And he probably already had. And basically they... I would not say copied. Uh, but they use a lot of the beats from the second season. Either way. Uh, although I think Maria at that point in the second season. Um, kind of grew out of the illusion of being savior of humanity. She kind of grew out of it or admitted to not being the savior way earlier rather than the the Illuminati that followed Adam to the bitter end but I don't know man that's basically it the, the story is kind of messed up the animation got messed up in my opinion the songs are still good the season itself is not deplorable I am throwing way more shade than I actually need to, and I will, I will admit that. But that's because at some point I, uh, I almost went like, man, this season's dumb. And also because at the end of the day, when we get to the fifth season, the fifth season shows that the fourth season is more or less just a filler. More or less, because there is an an add-on, uh, a small part 
that actually counts from the fourth season, but at the end of the day, the fourth season is really more less additive and more of parallel. I, I don't know how to say this in English, but uh, it does not add a lot of things. It's just a thing that happens is more of a... Oh, between these two plot important plot points, there's this one arc here that happens. More or less a filler, but there is something that comes out of it, so it's not really a filler. But that's about it. That's about it. As always, C4 years, just good. Anyways, and that's the show. So if you like what I do, if you like the rants I give, the dumb stuff I, uh, I say to the microphone if you, if you can please follow please like please share subscribe depending on the platform you are join the discord and again share with your friends i hope you stick around and see you next time bye